1: and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures.
0: Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog
1: adventure of your own.
0: Hey, welcome to episode 23. Episode 23 in the podcast. Yeah. awesome. 23 is not one of my favorite numbers though because Michael Jordan was number 23 and he ruined it for the Jazz in 96 and 97 and I've never oh, forgiven he so, him for it. Oh, because he was it. so
1: good? Yeah. He was the team. He <laughs> Shut up.
0: He had the flu. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he
1: still beat the guys.
0: Carmelo and John Stockton never had a championship thanks to that jerk. And he had, what, five, six? He could have shared. He could have shared. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, episode 23, we're stoked to be here. Stoke number one. I right. was going to tell Rusty that I'm telling everyone on this podcast. So, real quick, or something. let's jump over to the stoke jar. I say stoked way too much. I say stoked on our messages, I say stoked in our YouTube videos, I say stoked on our podcast, and so I'm gonna start putting a quarter in a jar every time I say stoked. And so through podcasts, YouTube videos and everything, I'm gonna earn the money to buy that second camera body. It's gonna be probably two weeks by the time I earn enough money, the amount of times I say stoked. All right, my question (laughs) is where's the money coming from? Where's the money coming from? (laughs) Okay. I will or have your a couple of fund. <laughs> it will be like Dumb and Dumber, where I have a mat, uh, like a suitcase full of IOU IOUs. <laughs> You're gonna want to save this one. It's good for a Lamborghini. That's gonna be a good one. All okay. right, so here we are, episode 23, and what are we talking about today, Brendan? <laughs>
1: uh, well, we went to Yosemite National Park just a couple weeks ago. Was it even a couple weeks ago. It was really recent.
0: It feels like it was a couple of weeks ago, but it was just over the 17th through the 21st, 22nd. and So it so was last week. A week and yeah. a half
1: now? Yeah. We had to go there for, we wanted to catch the the horsetail firefall. So if you haven't seen that yet, it's amazing phenomenon that happens every February and September, I believe. But usually in September, there's not enough rainfall for the fall to be active. I'm so distracted. So, I just I want to watch this now. <laughs> yeah. It's a 10-second delay, too, so it's really weird We're like watching the
0: past... Yes,
1: we, we're in the future now, and this is the past. So.
0: Those of you on the podcast, we haven't said this yet during the recording, but we are actually recording this live on Facebook and streaming this live to the Facebook listeners group. And so we're having a blast. Facebook, You've got to turn it off. Our our podcast. Look at your notes oh, I will. I'll go okay. back to it. I just wanted to <laughs> let everyone know on the podcast that's why I'm distracted because I'm watching yeah. our Facebook live feed. Now, go back to Yosemite. You were saying it rains a lot. What were you saying?
1: No, I was talking about Horsetail Falls. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> and how there's only rainfall and snow pack that's melting melting in the february month oh right and that's right. when I'll the sunset attention. comes hits the horsetail falls at just the right angle and lights it up like looks like lava
0: fire it's crazy it's an awesome phenomenon that I had never heard of until about three weeks ago
1: and I didn't even know about it until you showed me it's like three or four days before we left so or like a week before we left so both of our wives said yeah go go and do it and I can't believe they there did was, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have a retreat down in Phoenix with improved photography starting in March and so with this trip being just two weeks before that trip we thought nah, there's probably a little, little chance. chance that they yeah. won't say yes to this but they did and it became our first photog adventure outside the state of Utah and we didn't rent a car
1: because the car we were going to take broke, and that sucks. But that's a later, later story. So <laughs> back to Yosemite. We wanted to go. It's an awesome place. We saw pictures like growing up of Yosemite. I mean, there's like a bazillion pictures of it. It's amazing. Um, ever, ever since Ansel, Ansel Adams went, Ansel, it's Ansel, right?
0: Crap, now I'm, I'm wondering. It's, I've always said Ansel, Ansel Adams, Ansel. but I don't know if I'm saying it right. And
1: I always thought Ansel Adams was a girl, but it was a, a, not, apparently
0: not. <laughs> we got to keep this out of the so. podcast. This isn't the live <laughs> podcast, but this can't be in the real one. I mean, people won't respect us as photographers no, I if you we know. don't know how to say Ansel. Ansel Adams. It's Ansel. Is it?
1: Yes. <sighs> we
0: should have checked that before we went
1: live. Ansel Adams. So <laughs> because of Ansel Adams, you know, famous pictures of Yosemite back then, but he didn't actually have color photography. So his amazing black and white still like got people way excited all over the world. About Yosemite. And so um, it wasn't until the 70s that another guy went and got a picture of Horsetail Falls for the first time in like 71, I want to say, somewhere in the early 70s. And it was the first color photo. And that was like still like world famous picture. It still hasn't really been topped, really, by a lot of photographers. So that's pretty cool. A little bit of history of Yosemite is it literally means those who kill. So. Yosemite was apparently visited by a tribe of people. Now they're making fun of us, aren't they?
0: C.R. Bainter just says, I'm totally stoked. Yeah. (laughs) You owe me 25 cents.
1: Yep. Maybe they should be donating 25 cents every time you say stoked. <laughs> no way. No? Okay. I would be stealing
0: money left then and right. It would
1: be t- yeah, then that's still killing. Okay, <laughs> so Yosemite literally means those who kill because the surrounding tribes that lived around the valley around Yosemite were just like, yeah, if you go down there, they're going to kill you. So they're named those who kill. So it was created as a national park back in 1890, but the state of California kept um, retained control over the park, Which Mar- is crazy, Mariposa, but- Mariposa Grove
0: as well. So it's crazy because they're national park, but then they'd have control by the state. And we have Zion National Park and Bryce National Park, but they are controlled by the federal national park. So, what is that, BLM?
1: Yeah, but there might be some local
0: control still. I'm not sure
1: exactly how it's set up. I think they do Maybe keep a lot of the administration Maybe this is what's interesting local. about this. Yeah. Oh,
0: so uh, yeah. one thing I need to point out, Rob Ryan points out it's Ansel, not Ansel. 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 Yeah. And I he thought said I'll... also Aaron was right. Okay. So thanks, Rob. It's one for him. Finally, he got one right. (laughs) (laughs) So back Um, to
1: the history
0: of Yosemite. Yosemite
1: Valley was discovered and made known to the public by Major James D. Savage and Captain John Bowling, um, who, with a strong detachment of mounted volunteers, so I guess they're on horseback, and from those um, also known in the area as the Mariposa Battalion, uh, went with friendly Indians, so I guess guides, you know, um, from the other... Tribes, I'm assuming, and went down there in 1851 and captured the resident tribes who
0: are, you know, apparently killing everybody who <laughs> came <laughs> along their path. So Since I'm mostly ignoring you, have you already told them what the name is and the name means? Yeah. Yes. Awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's such a little narrow valley that it would be easy to protect. And they probably lived right in those fields that we were walking around, the swamp area and stuff, the campgrounds. Oh, yeah. That's probably like their main, That there's a river that goes through waterfalls, fresh water, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be an amazing place to live.
0: I'm sorry that we took it because that place is awesome.
1: Yeah, they probably have, like, crops and growing right in the valley there. And, and uh, I think it's all mountainous on one side, so there's one way to really enter and leave. So it'd be super easy to protect that area. Really cold, though. Yeah, yeah, it did get cold. It does get cold. It's high Sierras, so it's, you know, it's cold.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the
1: history of Yosemite. It's a pretty interesting place.
0: And so here we're going to talk about our first... No, no, I want to give, give a shout-out. Out. I'll do some shout outs. Yeah. So some people in Yosemite that we met, we want to do shout outs too. We want to. We wanna say hey shout out to Hugh Jack. I mean jack hughes jack hughes is a guy we met in australia and his name is just opposite of hugh jackman (laughs) i always want to call him hugh jackman hugh jackman he probably gets that a lot (laughs) i I bet bet. bet he's tired of it but his name is literally jack Hughes. he's like those darn americans they just can't (laughs) (laughs) awesome guy he had a canon 70d or a canon 80d 80d he had the 80d right and he was sitting next to us on tunnel view it was an awesome situation we kept meeting photographer after photographer another shout out to the group of people we hung out with for the night of the firefall when we were taking our shot that evening and those were jason homer sheree debbie all of you guys sat with us by that big long log and we had a nice view of the clouds rolling in front of the firefall and blocking blocking the sunset (sighs) (sighs) and the other friends we met there was a father with his three daughters and shauna paula and evelyn we told you we remember your name i don't know if you ever checked for our podcast ever listen to it (laughs) ever hear this but we did it shauna paula and evelyn Cool. Those are the shout outs. And now to the Photog Adventures listener story. If you're on the podcast, you probably can see my screen. This is the image that we're talking about. It's this pretty awesome. This is from James Kelly. Let's go ahead and talk about it. And this
1: is posted in the listener group, right? So the listener groups would yep. sort of have, okay. So they've actually seen photo. A lo- this yeah, photo yeah.
0: already and they know the story, but let's go ahead and do it. Now I have to pronounce another thing crazy. This is mm. Gassadalur. Oh man, what was it? Gassadalur? de Lure, I think yeah. it was.
1: It sounds so- better if you say it faster, typically. Yeah, let's just say real
0: quick. <laughs> so it is the Gassadalur waterfall on the island of Vagar and the Faroe Islands. Now, the Faroe Islands, mm. they're halfway between Iceland and the tip of the UK. And so you're, it is an actual Kingdom of Denmark area. So this is self-governed cool. set of an archipelago of islands that is... Owned or at least part of the kingdom of Denmark. And this place, I didn't realize what a photographer paradise this was. And so right. James Kelly was out there and he was taking shots. He said he went out there. It's the first stop that all tourists and photographers make. And it's on the same island as the airport. So that island of Vigar, that's the first stop for everyone because it's right there by the airport. Wow. He says it was the first stop he made and he went through all this area. Let's jump through a bunch of stuff. Okay, I'll read this part. After the first trip... I did some research and realized that there is a better viewpoint, but this involves walking down the steps about 200 plus to the old lifeboat launch. And I should mention that these steps are almost vertical. And then he has a click, has a link for us to see it. Oh. And so this these are the steps. Oh, yeah. So practically Whoa. vertical steps that you're going down here. This is the First viewpoint that he wanted to go to. Finally, okay, he made the decision that he'll return to Gasadelur on every visit, and this is around three to five trips a year that he makes. And each trip was not a success.
1: So is that when he's going there? Is he going to someplace? Is this like a halfway point, stopping point, or how? That's a
0: good question. I'm not sure. I'm catching that from this information Or is he yet. going
1: to those islands specifically? To visit? I
0: know that he makes a trip out to these islands specifically. So maybe it's like a
1: vacation spot for him then.
0: Well, he's loving it yearly. because he went three to five trips a year and each of those trips were in a success. So in order to get wow. his shot, the shot that we're seeing right here, so it we're took guessing him he's three to five s- times a year to Scotland do Maybe
1: Scotland or something. He lives fairly close. Oh, maybe? he does. He lives okay. in
0: Scotland. Okay. And so I don't That's know cool. what kind of a trip, apparently the airport. So he flies in. Mm-hmm. Must not cost that much. When I lived in Europe, you go Ryanair. Sometimes oh, yeah. it was like 50, 70 euros to an to awesome location. Yeah. You
1: take a little prop plane out.
0: And Not yeah. even tiny planes. They were actually nice planes. Really? It's just really cheap flights from within Sweet. Europe. Yeah, Ryanair is great. And there's other options other than Ryanair. So let's go back to the story. So he said he took three to five times a year, and he still, none of those actually worked out. So let me write. Wow. So then he goes, this was due to a number of reasons. Weather was either too poor, sea was too high, the lighting was just not right. And so he never got the shot. But finally, in May of 2016, he visited the Faroe Islands with a friend who was actually filming him. That's why his YouTube video is so great at this. I want to mention James Kelly's YouTube channel. It's pretty fantastic. It's got some really good, short two, three-minute, four, five-minute, videos that have music and him out there with the camera not a lot of talking it's just a nice fun photographer relaxing video with music i love it oh. it's a really cool just watch and see what he did and how he got there so as he left the island the weather was poor quality but on the other side of the mountain you travel through a mountain tunnel he says to get to guess really? yeah the sun was beginning to set and the weather just opened up and you can see how we're talking wow, like yeah. a tiny sliver yeah
1: we have the but look at that up here it's just amazing it's just awesome
0: <laughs> it really is. I mean, if it didn't have that dynamic cloud cover on the hills, you might get more of the sunlight hitting the tops there, and that'd be cool. But I, I like this. Yeah, it's really dramatic. I like this more. Yeah. And so he says that, uh, the sun was beginning to set, the weather opened up. We rushed to the other side of the waterfall and realized his luck was in. I could get down the steps. I could actually literally bounce down with all my gear, found the best location, which just happened to be on the right on the edge of the cliff next wow. to the sea. Wow, that's so cool. So then once he set up, he realized the sun was going to set in the perfect location just to the left of the waterfall. He spent the next hour slowly watching the sunset It was pure euphoria watching that light. I was on a high and needed that adrenaline to walk back up the steps. That was killer. <laughs> Good nice. thing the photography turned out because then he didn't have to go up those steps sad and hard. Right. So after four years, he finally had the photograph. oh, You know what? I was so excited to get out there to Faroe Islands for us and get that same shot. But of course, we're not going to get it. He said four years of three to five times a year trying, and he finally got that shot. Talk that's, about determination, yeah. ambition, and just knowing. Okay, I want the shot. I want the spot. I'm going to keep trying. But
1: that's what you can do. It's that for him is a local spot, right? And so local, for us, we've I mean, got he's
0: flying from Scotland. Yeah, but he goes so
1: often. You know what I mean? That's so true. for us. We have similar situations to where like tonight didn't really work out for us necessarily, but it's it's so close for us. It's a you know half an hour drive, and we can do that three or four times a year to get just the right conditions. So, that's true. You know,
0: it's just and one of those things. comparable to our car rentals going down to Zion National Park, we've got a five, six-hour drive. We're renting a car for over three days, two, three days, and that's, you know, 100 and $150. He probably had a flight for 50 euros, and he went maybe an hour flight, maybe two. Maybe, yeah. And then he lands. I mean, he actually, in a way, was closer to that than we are to Zion National Park. Yeah. That's weird But to we think. still
1: consider that, like, in our backyard, so.
0: Yeah, and we could also fly, just not that cheap. Yeah, no. So he says that once he saw, blah, blah, blah. So after four years, he finally got the photograph of Gasa de Lourdes that he had always wanted. Now, I know I'm killing mm. it, James. Gasa de Lourdes. I even looked up the pronunciation, and it's like, this guy over here on this website says, Gasa that's what he sounds like he's saying. Gasa Gasadalur. Yeah. So hopefully that's right. Gasa Dalur. So then he says that his settings on this, this is a camera that was Nikon D810, okay. the Nikon 7200 F2.8. Okay. So he got the 7200 mm-hmm. out at F11, 13 seconds of exposure and he brought his ISO up to 200 just a little bit. He had a Lee little stopper and a 0.6 grad filter on there. So he had so 6 what, grad.
1: what millimeter was he actually at on this? Was he at
0: 70 or was you he know he doesn't say specifics of the final millimeter he stopped at but he was using is okay. 7,200 millimeters, so I am assuming he wasn't fully 200 millimeter to keep that sun in yeah. there and the waterfall. He's pulled back just a bit, yeah. but I'm thinking over 120, over 120 or so. Or I'm guessing. Yeah, because we really have no idea how far that cliff is from the other sides. Exactly. He, heck, okay. he might even be at full 200 millimeter. Yeah and just happens to keep that waterfall. Now, those of you listening on the podcast, this is an image where the sun is on the far left of the screen. It has a reflection in the water going all the way up the sea to the camera. And then you have the sunset not actually hitting any of the clouds with any color, but the clouds are dynamic and gray. There's some faded out gray sections where it's just solid gray, but then the clouds overlap this cool mountain structure, mountain formation that's coming on the edge of this island. Cliffside mountain, so yeah. you see this seaside coastside cliff that's right on the water you got the mountain going up high enough to go into the clouds and get them you have a kind of a greenish yellow land of uh, terrain of uh, some plant growth grasses whatever right there mixed in with the dark black rocks and a waterfall to top it off on yeah the on right. the right <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> there's an awesome waterfall that's not just going down the hill it's actually flowing straight into down the, into ocean. the ocean yeah it's which so is cool pretty fantastic it is flowing straight into the sea yeah. I don't know too many waterfalls like that. I know there's plenty out there, but I have never no, been true, to one. True. I see waterfalls that land close or hit a river or hit an area that's right, close to the coast, right. but not right into this ocean like that. That is awesome. Especially the same side of the sun setting. So that really is a very picturesque area. So, James, what an awesome photog adventure that you went on. Here's an example image that he's been in different weather, different times, how the sun was Still blocked, but cool. it's icy, looks really cool. Mm. Oh, there's even a little town right there up on the top of that cliff that you can't oh, wow. see in the other image. Okay. Yeah, you so can't it really see it at all. it really
1: is bigger than you, th- okay. Because he's down lower, so. It-
0: wow. So thanks for sharing this. Hey, guys, all of you listeners out there, if you'd like to have your photog adventure featured on our podcast, I have a queue now of about 12. I think I promised about 12 people that I'm going to feature them, and I have to go back and locate each promise oh, that wow. I have made so that I can can queue it up there but in about 10 weeks if you want your photog adventure (laughs) featured on here go to the photog adventures listeners group on facebook post your image tell us your settings and a paragraph or two or more about the story of what happened and how you got there Mm -hmm. and we'll feature it as best as we can on the podcast that's cool. So James, Kelly, thanks again for sending us your picture. This is an awesome photo, and I hope that when we do make it out there to the Faroe Islands ourselves, that we can have you as our guide. Awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be sweet. So let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast, and we'll come back and talk more about our trip to Yosemite. This is segment two of the Photog Adventures podcast. We're going to talk now about our trip to Yosemite. We went out there and it was a crazy situation. We knew that we wanted to get down for the firefall. And the firefall, Brendan explained already. But we had only three nights and four days that we'd be there. And when we were leaving Friday with all of the car troubles that were happening, really, we should just start there at the car troubles. Because I want to talk about the drive, but let's talk about the car troubles. So I bought a used car,
1: a newer used car. And... It broke down like three days into owning it. So that was really lame. Oh, man. Because I was looking forward to taking that thing out and driving it and uh, to you know Yosemite. It was, would have been a nice, big, comfortable ride. It sit, seats like eight people. So we've had tons of cargo space. And uh, my wagon is also down. So I got a Benz wagon that's older, 99.
0: You might have seen the hood of it in some of our YouTube channels. Yeah,
1: I've crashed that thing up. The deers have hit it three or four times. I mean, (laughs) that thing is just like, it's a battle tank at this point. So we were looking to phase that car out and get something new, newer. and, uh, And it's in the shop now. So maybe it was a good thing. Might have broken down on us. Yeah. Somewhere in California, that would have really,
0: <laughs> really sucked. We drove through the night, and so if it would have broken down at 1 or 2 a.m. That would have been devastating.
1: Well, it might not have broken down driving there, but it might have broken down like the day after, when we we're trying to get out or get somewhere else or uh, leave or, you know what I mean? Any of those so, times would have been yeah, terribly
0: inconvenient. Would
1: have been horrific. Yeah. Blessing in disguise, maybe. That's what I'm going to chalk it off to.
0: I'm up for that.
1: Yeah. So we drove Aaron's little car, his little Hyundai, hey, all the way there and back. It's a
0: regular sized sedan. It's an accent. No, Elantra.
1: Is it Elantra? Okay, so it's a little bit bigger than the Accent, right? The Accent's a smaller one.
0: Yeah. I have no idea about cars. I
1: think the Accent's smaller, smaller than the Ask Accent. Ask me about cameras. Okay. Anyway, so we took his Elantra. It was fine, you know. Um, (laughs) except the engine light turned on about halfway through. Here
0: we are driving, and I decide I'm going to drive the night as far as I can before it's unsafe to drive. If I get to the point where I can't safely keep going, I was going to stop and we'll find a place to sleep. And somehow
1: by miracle, you just kept going. I had the power. I was so
0: excited to get to the firefall that I just don't think I thought anything about my own health or sleep, nothing. I was so focused. I literally never got tired until the last night coming back. That was the yeah. first time I got tired driving. So we're almost yeah. to St. George, and we have, you know, maybe a few miles before we get there. We just passed Hurricane. Well, I don't remember now, right? where we were, but we were somewhere in the Southern spot Utah, where it felt like we were just isolated. And if anything terrible was going to happen, this might be the last the rest stop <laughs> to actually pull over. And so when I see that engine light pop up, I look and see, where's the next turn off. I need to make sure we can go check this out and see yeah. what's up. Not being a car guy, the only thing I could check was to see if the engine was getting really bad, or if we needed to do some more oil, just see what was the really... The
1: temperature was fine, right? Yeah, on the, thank goodness. Yeah, on the engine, so that's Temperature
0: good. reading was at medium, it was just normal, and so everything else pointed to everything being fine, just had an engine light pop up. It could be anything, like you were telling me, just yeah. codes of this, or maybe an oxygen, what'd you call it? Yeah, an O2 sensor
1: or something, or you know, something.
0: So I pull over at that gas station, there's someone outside who's running it, there's no one else in the area. And he's like, Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Like I borrowed a cone. I put some more oil in that engine, which was pretty low. Yeah. And we thought that might be it. And so we're thinking one or 2 AM, this is the last car, the third car option we had, and it's having an Mm. engine light the first night. (laughs) It was devastating. So we were so concerned for that, but thankfully the entire trip, that engine light would go off and on. And nothing really happened. We drove through Death Valley. We drove through Nevada again. We came up through home. In fact, a few days after I arrived home, that engine light was gone.
1: It's awesome. Yeah, Who knows what it was? So it worked. Yeah. It didn't die on us.
0: So there's that. <laughs> so as we're getting close to Las Vegas, I'm looking out the window. at 4 in the morning. I'm thinking, man are there any chances that we can see the Milky Way? The Milky Way starting to rise as 3.30 in Mm -hmm. our northern hemisphere. 3.30 a.m., it starts kind of right on the horizon, and then it was coming up. There was a chance around 4 a.m. that I could see it out the window, so I kept looking and looking and looking, and I was seeing nothing. There was no definition in the sky, no twinkling lights. I'm like, ah, it must be cloudy. It must be cloudy. We'll see. And I can't see a cloud. I can't see anything. We get about 10 minutes later into the Las Vegas area, and the thing is blooming orange. The entire sky. It's amazing what light pollution will do. Oh, yeah. I mean, light pollution in Las Vegas is one of the most insane areas in the world. Yeah. But uh, it is just nuts. I was just 10 minutes away, and I couldn't even see if there were clouds. It was just black. I couldn't see anything. But Mm. 10 minutes in, light pollution's there, and now I could see definition in the clouds way high up in the sky. I could see everything. It was a really high overcast, right? Oh, yeah. It was... Something that I thought maybe would have a little bit of light reflection from the light pollution. No, it was in fully engulfed in light pollution. Mm. So it's just outside light pollution. You can't even see the clouds. Inside light pollution, and you got a sunset up there. It was just astounding how much light was leaking into the sky oh, that yeah. high and filling it up. Yeah. Even if it was a clear sky, there's no chance I would have seen the Milky Way with that much light pollution.
1: Yeah, over Vegas, if there's low clouds, man, you can see that light pollution for miles. (laughs) I mean, just miles and miles. Yeah,
0: I think at one point you woke up and you're like, what is that? And I'm like, that's Las Vegas. And you're like, aren't we pretty far? I'm like, yeah, we're pretty far still. Mm -mm. And you could see it on the horizon coming up. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not sunrise, right? I think you took a small nap right then, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was. So
0: you might have thought it was sunrise a little bit. You're like, did I sleep that long? And no, it was Mm -mm. just Las Vegas. (laughs) We're approaching Las Vegas. (laughs) one of the things when we were there in yosemite was sleeping
1: situation so we had a little car but we had a tent and our backpacks and stuff and so we thought that we could pitch the tent somewhere and easy you know six dollar campsites you know pretty cheap oh yeah per person that's yeah would have been 12 bucks we didn't have any cash on us so we did find an atm that wasn't too hard
0: (sighs) you know no but it was a waste of time yeah and a waste of what was it, 450 charge for you to pull 20 bucks out?
1: Oh, something ridiculous yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: Got you. So, one fourth of the money you took out. Yeah. I love those ATM charges. <laughs> Gotta love them.
1: We got to the campsite. And we did some more explore, exploring. I mean, it was a river flowing through. So, there's a little tiny, like, you know, between wood. the
0: parking spot and where you see the information of the campsite, I had a little river. We were yeah. like, ah, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Because there's water flowing. I mean, there's everywhere. Yeah, it was a a flood.
0: It wasn't the actual river. It was a flood area that wasn't normally flowing with water. But we thought, here's not a bad problem. We're not going to sleep here. Right. So we kept looking. After we got some money and we're going to possibly
1: pay, we decided to look for a campground to— set up, and everything was just soaking wet.
0: I mean, it's not just soaking Swamp. wet, too. I mean, I keep telling people this. Imagine your bathtub like filled up six inches or three inches high and putting your sleeping bag down in it. You want to sleep in that? Right. That's what we had to choose from. And my tent, it's not a waterproof bottom. It's not something that we can just put on the river and be fine and raft down it. Right. And so we would have been in those inches of water right up to our necks in the sleeping bag. It would have been Horrifying,
1: yeah. So that was a no go.
0: And so, when we go back to the place where we got the ATM a place that had a little bit of Wi Fi and a place just to be out of the cold, just to sit in with some light, we decided, okay, lodge. what options yeah. do we have for camping nearby? And Brendan starts looking everywhere for campsites close by.
1: Yeah, and I was looking for specifically Googling for free campsites in the area. And so outside, I mean, to get out of Yosemite once you're in, it's like another 45-minute drive just to get out of the park.
0: If you haven't been to Yosemite, let me just emphasize that, Bert, because if you haven't been to Yosemite, you get to the gate. I think they put the gate out that far so it doesn't deter people from thinking, I'm I'm not going the right way. Because if you get to that Mm. gate, you think, okay, I'm in Yosemite. But then it tells you you have another 35 miles to go, and the speed limit is 35 miles per hour. Right. And so you're sitting there going High elevation, up, 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 and then kind of down a little bit. And you're there after 35 miles of winding roads and feeling just, you went from Fresno to this point in less than an hour, but you have more than an hour almost just to get from here to To the the actual valley, Yosemite Valley. It's nuts. And so when we're looking at trying to find a campground, we have to go outside of Yosemite. We have to do that again. Yeah. Another 35 mile, 35 mile per hour drive. Right. Yuck. So then you're like an hour out to
1: get back out to, you know, any kind of civilization outside the park, then we drove up these crazy whiny roads, these little towns, and we finally found the campsite and pitch black, foggy, and it was closed. <laughs> the gate was closed. It had a sign closed due to public safety or something like that. I just We're had, just had like, a little oh. pain in
0: my heart, like a relapse of the trauma because like, Where are we going to go? I had just driven all night long. I went to work, I packed, I picked up you, we packed everything in the car, we started driving at 7 p.m. Friday, I drove all through the night. Now it's 9 p.m. the next day, I still haven't slept in over 24 hours, I just made another windy road. I mean, we're talking at night... Crazy, I had no road. idea what we were driving by. It was just a mystifying, dark stark abyss yeah. that I was navigating through, hoping eventually Brendan was going to take me to where we were going to sleep or where he was going to murder me because I was happy for either one. It would one have been a perfect point. place. <laughs> <laughs> I never could have found myself. he kicked me out of the car and said, "Good luck." See I never would have made it back. <laughs> so uh, we get there and we pull up to the road where it has the gate for. Hey, we're finally going to see this cool campsite that's highly recommended. And we've and got
1: hammocks. We could have. Set up oh, in the trees and all great. kinds of
0: stuff, yeah. Blocked off, big iron gate that says, closed for safety. So I'm guessing it was also
1: like crazy flooded, flooded, and maybe some mudslides had happened in the campsite. Who knows, it was just crazy.
0: If you guys have been following the information of California lately, California's going through a Pineapple Express. It's just insanely rainy for the last several months after the big drought of years of drought. Now they're having this crazy rain that just won't yeah. stop. Everything's flooding. Things have been nuts there, and yeah. so it probably was closed months ago from the rain, and now that it was raining again on us, it wasn't helping yeah. at all. And the website,
1: of course, didn't tell us that. It had I mean, good ratings, and now was it. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, no information recently to say, hey, it's closed. So now we're there, and we're thinking, now we're going to Now sleep? what do we
1: do? Yeah. So the, the best case scenario we could think of is, okay, let's try to find a church, parking just lot, Nice church something. parking
0: lot, it's open. Usually
1: they're clean, usually they're open, we can just drive up in it, and sure enough, we did. We found a church.
0: Oh, it was a cool lot. place, too. Yeah, it was 2 This particular like, church, awesome. it had a driveway into a parking lot, and then you can go up closer to the church building, but then turn left to another section of parking lot yeah. that was up a little higher and, and was isolated. Bushes in
1: between and isolated. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, I think if you guys are looking at our Facebook feed or our uh, Twitter feed, you probably saw that image of Brendan in the morning next to the car. We just parked that tent right there on the ground next to the car, and... Uh, finally caught some z's the
1: car the concrete was so
0: hard you kind of forgot your really, pad you yeah only had a blanket. i did not
1: bring a pad because we didn't have room in the car so i didn't really have i mean the yoga mat pad thing i had wouldn't be much better than what no, i already had so
0: not much <sighs> my hips were sore
1: the next day in death valley we slept in the sand but my hips were still bruised from the concrete so either way it was pretty uncomfortable but now that i'm home in my own bed is good i'm good so yeah I uh, missed that foam. So that was that. We finally got some sleep. We and didn't die. We didn't die. We went back to Yosemite the next day.
0: If you guys know Yosemite, you know that the tunnel view. As you enter into Yosemite, you come through this tunnel, and finally, you're in Yosemite Valley. It's almost a
1: mile long. That tunnel's tunnel. cool. It's like Zion's, right? Where there's a crazy yeah. huge tunnel inside. It's not. I don't think it's as long as Zion's, but it's pretty close
0: and it's really fun to drive through i can't help but be a child when i go through and like we're in the black tunnel and you're zipping through there and you come out and you're like hello welcome to yosemite yeah it's really awesome the view of el capitan right there and half dome in the distance i mean tunnel view is amazing and because of that there's thousands of people there Cars parked on both sides, parked yeah. jammed in there, people constantly up at the viewing area. I was reading Thomas Heaton's blog post about his trip to Yosemite, and he talks about it being this like complete amusement park for photographers, but crazy and busy like an amusement park. Yeah. It's the only place he's ever gone where he's had to queue in order to find a spot to put his tripod down. It's crazy. And at Tunnel View specifically, he had to queue. He had a picture of all these people standing in front of him and he had to wait for someone to move. Now, we took a spot <laughs> that we loved. We there. got there a little earlier. Yeah, we and got, it got there earlier the than it was morning. February, too. February, raining, everything. Right. Oh, yeah. And so we had a little gap in the space where we went over there and planted ourselves. And by the time we wanted to leave from there, people were like, hey, can I take your spot?
1: Can yeah. I be in here?
0: So people were waiting for that spot because we were between trees blocking our view. We had a nice loca- nice like clear frame right on the El Capitan, Bridalville Falls, and half dome in the distance. So it was beautiful. So Tunnel View is an amazing place. And what went well about it is that our cameras, we were able to put our tripods right up there up against it. And frame the shot and run time-lapse after time-lapse. I was changing lenses, putting it up there, doing a time-lapse for half an hour. I eat my breakfast. Then I'd switch a lens and I'd focus on a different area and the clouds. I mean, what went well were the clouds. Oh, the clouds were amazing. Low, heavy clouds, dancing around, moving a lot. Coming different directions. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was just awesome.
0: Oh, for photography... It was one of the few times probably you can get the clouds like that in Yosemite, and we were lucky to be there for that.
1: And it wasn't golden hour, so we didn't have that amazing light to go with, but the sun was, you know...
0: It was dynamic.
1: It was was definitely dynamic enough, so...
0: And there were little windows where the sunlight would hit Yosemite's, or Al Capitan's face, Mm -hmm. and that would be the moment. But I was doing a time lapse, and so one of those frames are going to turn out to be a nice shot. Right Now, I'd say at this time of year, all the green trees below us were nice, but there were a lot of trees that obviously had deciduous leaves that hadn't grown leaves yet, and that in fall colors, that must be amazing.
1: Yeah, so what's interesting is when I was processing mine of the tunnel view, those brownish, they looked like evergreens, but they were brown. And so I don't know what kind of trees they were, but they were still hitting a little bit on the red spectrum. So when I was processing in Lightroom, I could actually bring the reds out of those a little bit. So it did nice. look fall-ish, which was pretty cool. Because even though it was like the end of winter, the fall colors were still kind of there when I was processing. So you'll have to see. I'll share some of those pictures with you guys, and you'll see that it's actually pretty impressive because you can bring up the greens and then bring up those brown-reds, and it looks pretty yeah, awesome.
0: It's nice. It's nice. I mean, you got yeah. the gray, majestic rock in Yeah, the and Those big, so... stark
1: gray rock faces that are pure granite. Apparently, that's what I was looking up what the history. What a cool color contrast. Yeah, it was really cool. And then having those time-lapse with those clouds coming, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So we're excited to put those time-lapse together. I started on one and then had some weird like framing issues, so I got to like re-export it and make it better or something. I don't know. So I got to work on that, but then when I get that sorted out, I'll, I'll upload
0: it. So. Right on. What else went well for you?
1: So what else went well is um, I got my Syrup Genie out for the first time. I've had it for a few months now, but it's been so cold and wintry that I haven't been able to really take it out. I haven't been motivated to take it out. It's a little more effort. Yeah. So I got a track that we got at the office. I brought that, set it up, set up the Genie, you know, got it all set up and uh, had to do some adjustments. So what went well with that is that it was pretty easy to figure out the controls. I didn't look at the user manual or anything. Just by going off the options on the screen, which was nice, they're laid out pretty simplistically enough that you can figure out, okay, um, it started going da, 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 you know, at the very top. So I'm like, I've gone too far. <laughs> so I can adjust it to go down a couple, meter, a couple points of a meter, and that way I figured out exactly where the sweet spot was, the beginning and the end. So then I could start my time lapses. After like two tries, I got it down pretty good.
0: So you so, triggered your time lapse to go after it already had traveled on the track a little bit? No, the time lapse starts
1: at the bottom of the track. I had the track kind of elevating up on a log. Okay. And so because it was elevated... Um, from the ground up to this log, I had this really cool time-lapse where I was facing Horsetail Falls and it was like a little sapling was right in the way. And as it slowly comes up, the sapling comes down nice. and, you, and you reveal more of the, of the giant granite rock and the,
0: when the, in the waterfall. falls. So oh, man, this YouTube video is going to be full of great time lapses. Yeah. So
1: the time-lapse looks really cool. It's very dynamic. Um, and, uh, I did like three or four of those with a genie. And by the third or fourth one, it came out, you know, started coming out pretty good. So um, I could adjust the things better. And, yeah, I figured it out pretty quick.
0: So that was nice. So that went well, and I'm excited to take it out again. The syrup genie is going to bring a lot of cool time lapses to us. Now I'm getting up, coming to grab something.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to use it more when I go basically anywhere, especially things with big rock features or trees in the way and stuff I can prop it up. And the track, you can also attach to your tripod and have it angled really steep, you know, and have the tripod weighted, and then that the way the track can just, it can just bring it right up the track and it's just a really cool device. So definitely excited to use some more in the future.
0: So I got up to get something for a visual aid since this is on our Facebook live post right now. Idea. So the thing that went well for me is I found a reason to use my 50 millimeter in landscape photography. Before I thought this 50 millimeter that Brendan's loaning to me, I would only use in portrait situations with my kids.
1: Pretty much that's what Which I'm why I lent it to you try, yeah, try it out, play with it.
0: I love the bokeh from it. I love the yeah. large aperture so I can get really great depth of field. And then, you know, getting a nice quick shot of my kids with this lens on the end of my body is nice and light compared to tossing this beast on there. So... Here's where I show myself as being a little bit shallow. And I'm I'm not surprised that I'm shallow in this way because I'm a five foot four guy. And so I'm something (laughs) something like this is where I, you know, this is my perfect weakness. (laughs) So here I am at Tunnel View taking shots and feeling like an amazing photographer. People are coming up to us and asking us, oh, who do you guys work for? Well, we actually do our own Photog Adventures channel. So we don't work for anybody. And this one lady's like, so do you make money off of it? Well, not really yet, not really. And she's like, you need to sell this. She was aghast mm-hmm. that we didn't make money. I'm like, well, I mean, we're not making money yet, but we're going to try. And she's like, you should be selling your footage. Why aren't you selling your footage? You should be selling your pictures. Why aren't you selling your pictures? I mean, she just couldn't believe it, flabbergasted that we weren't making money. Yeah, this
1: cool little Filipino lady. <laughs> she was very she's like, feisty. you should work for National Geographic. <laughs> like,
0: you guys should really work for National Geographic. It'd be great. I'm like, well, actually, the competition's pretty stiff. Yeah. I mean, just the guys in the Photog Adventure listeners group who share their photos have more of a chance of getting into National Geographic than I it's do immediate. at times. And so it's like, holy yeah. crap, no way are we going to be the next in line for a National Geographic yeah. job, especially since they just don't have them quite like they used to, you know? Mm-hmm. So here I am. I plugged into my body this Tamron 15 to 30 millimeter, which is a tank. I also have rented a 30 a 70 to 300 millimeter Canon FL lens. So this L lens from Canon is fantastic. It's even longer and bigger than this. And so when they look at my gear, people would come by and they would say, hey, can you take a photo for us? And they would make a kind of comment and joke as we're stepping out of our cameras to go to them. Like, you look like you could handle it. You know, mm-hmm. look like you understand cameras. We had nice tripods. We had a big gear setup. We had all the stuff, this crap, laying around us. You can see that picture on our Twitter of uh, all our gear sitting there by our chairs. Mm-hmm. And so, with the really cool, legitimate-looking lenses attached to our cameras, people thought we were awesome. Well, here I am sitting here with a 15 to 30 millimeter. And, you know, 30 millimeters zoomed in is just pretty wide. It's, it's, it's still, still a bit really bit too wide. wide. Yeah. The 70 to 300 out at 70 millimeter was just a little too tight for me to get a nice El Capitan shot in the Brideville Falls. Mm. I wanted something in the middle. And, you know, I was like, wow, the 50 millimeter. I can actually use this. Yeah, it's right I in between. I want 50 millimeters because I can't change my location. I can't right. move myself closer in tunnel view. Um, and I,
1: both your zooms are yeah, just outside just of it. Yeah.
0: And so 50 millimeter finally made sense. Like, I couldn't imagine a landscape scenario where I was going to use something less than a 50, mil- that I was going to use something more than my 24 millimeters, 30 millimeters mm-hmm. on my lenses. I wanted a lot, uh, wide. If I want wide landscape shots, why would I ever pull in a 50? Yeah. Why? And here was my first chance. I was like, okay. So I put it on there and I was like, yeah, this is a great frame. I like this. But then I looked at my camera body and here's where the shallow part Wah-wah. comes Wah-wah. in. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> At the end of it's my so camera dinky. body is this tiny toy. <laughs> Look at that toy. This little nifty 50 that's made with mostly plastic is seriously a toy. And when you get it on the end of that camera body, it is just nothing like when you bring You know, I must say out. though,
1: this the STM version of this lens that you have now is... Twice as good looking as the old, really plastic looking 5050 that they used to have. <laughs> it
0: could have been worse. The version you're one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, actually, it was a version two. And uh, this STM lens um, is even fantastic for video, too, because of the little stepper motor inside Yeah, for focusing. So they I, did up the quality quite a bit. It does look a, a little bit neater than it used to, but. But yeah, it's still really small.
0: <laughs> so you get this on there, you don't feel as legit of a cameraman. You don't feel like, hey, look at that photographer, he is legit. You just see, oh, he's got a nice little lens on there, nice little, nice little body. And so I thought, you know, with the price of this Canon 50 millimeter, there's nothing else I would ever go for. It's only a freaking hundred dollars. Why not? Why would I buy? I've seen some of these 50 millimeter prime art lenses from Sigma and right. other companies that are big and almost half lenses. the size of yeah. this. They're more expensive and they're 50 millimeters. Like, well, I'm already going to get 50 millimeter with this. It's quality enough. Why would I ever hike with anything bigger? Why would I ever use anything bigger? Why? Mm. Well, I found myself wishing there next to that tunnel view with hundreds of other photographers nearby. (laughs) I wish I had a nice large 50 millimeter. A nice Sigma 50. Just so that it looked more legit (laughs) and made me feel good again. Or the (laughs) 51.2. It was hard to take off my giant lens and put on this tiny quarter of a lens and be like, "Hey guys, I'm (laughs) a legit (laughs) photographer." Yeah. So I'm a little bit shallow. I'm linking. I want to buy a better 50 millimeter so that I can look cooler. But that's the stupidest reason in the world to buy a lens.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got the 50. I've got the 51.4, which is you know the metal step-up version. It's a little bit bigger than this one, and it's it looks pretty legit. But when you go 51.2, wow, that is. I mean, the opening is as big as the Tamron lens, and it's massive, and that's a legit lens. But <laughs> it's also, like, you know, somewhere between $1,200 and $2,000, depending on yeah. how you get it. So,
0: yeah. And so, just to summarize, I finally had a reason for the range of 50 millimeter. That focal range was perfect for my shot in that And scenario. how did it turn out? It turned out great. I think it's because I didn't do time lapses with these. I've only looked at the time lapses. I oh, okay. haven't processed any of the images with it, but the framing's great. It's just the reality is there's none of that really stunning light on El Capitan during mm-hmm. any of my 50 millimeter shots. And so it's nothing that's going to be portfolio. But as far as a time lapse for a YouTube video, fantastic. Love and because it. it's
1: a prime, you're going to get really good sharp yeah. images. And you were like at what, F, F8 or something like that? I or? probably
0: pulled it down to F8, but I don't recall. Okay. Most most of the yes, shots I took at F11 sharp. or F8, depending on the lens. Yeah. And I think most of them were at F11 to keep a good depth of field. I mean, it didn't really matter because nothing was close to us. Yeah. We were on an overlook. There wasn't anything close in our frame. So right. F8 or F11, it only came down to what I felt like was a sweet spot for that lens. Yeah. And F8, I think, is what I went with the 50 because that's more of a sweet spot for it. I think so. And even just tonight, when we went out for our sunset before we recorded this podcast, I pulled out my 50 again because I wanted to do a panorama. I liked the quality oh, of the lens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a 70 to 300 millimeter on me. And so I had this 50 millimeter that was going to give me much more reach than what I had on me. And it was going to be fantastic for a panorama. And I see in our comments that Daniel just mentioned that he uses his 50 for panels a few times and he likes it. I'm assuming yeah. that you like it, Daniel.
1: Yeah, because between 50 and 30, you're getting quite a lot narrower view. So 30 just sometimes isn't enough. It's still pretty wide.
0: And I got to add the comment from Brian Miller. He says, it's so small. <laughs> He's also laughing that these are tiny and that he uses his seriously for almost two years for everything. He loved his 50 millimeter. Yeah, they're great. And everything he took, he captured on a 50 millimeter. And like Daniel said, for panos, it doesn't matter if it doesn't give me my wide frame. I can do a six picture panorama and get the the 24 millimeter range I wanted anyway.
1: Yeah, and you'll have huge, defined, awesome pictures.
0: And better resolution. Yeah. So 50 millimeter was awesome.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you uh, had a use for it. It's awesome.
0: Absolutely. So we just went over what went well for us in our photography at Yosemite. We're going to come back from our last break and do what didn't go well in our photography. And then we'll talk gear time and tip of the week. Welcome
1: back to our third segment of this podcast. We're going to go over... What didn't go well for our last trip in Yosemite, and then we'll go into gear time and tip of the week. What
0: didn't go well was both of us. I mean, the first thing that didn't go well was definitely affecting both of us.
1: Yeah, it was basically the weather. Yeah, The guy we were talking to on Friday said, oh, I got the phenomenon last night. And we're like, (sighs) oh, we're so hoping it happens tonight, too.
0: I also and the sun saw, was
1: setting, we saw <laughs> color in the sky, and we're like, oh, if it just breaks, please break.
0: At one time, Jason was like, okay, guys, it's over. I'm packing my stuff up. He starts packing his gear in. Yeah, and then we started and seeing, seeing some orange, clearing. yellow
1: color, you know, in the sky. <laughs> and the clouds above pink. the rock, yeah. yeah.
0: That's when we started like, getting color. And we're like, oh, yeah, okay.
1: We're like, well, it could be happening. It could be happening. So he got his camera <laughs> back out. And then we started taking more pictures, hoping... Hoping, like it's gonna
0: happen now I hoping, told him I said Jason because you did that it's coming yeah. so thanks for doing that
1: yeah we were hoping that he was gonna like somehow unjinx it or <laughs> something
0: I was reading an article today from Outbound Collective and Outbound was theoutbound.com this article was talking about why I'm going to the back to Horto, Yosemite, or, Yosemite, or, Yosemite yeah. next year yeah, you saw yeah. that
1: too? I did see the headline but I didn't yeah, actually yeah he there. says
0: I'm going back to Yosemite in 2018 so I read it he says he left from Utah on Thursday he got there for Friday it rained out Friday he said on Saturday Saturday night the night that we were there uh-huh. it got that point where it was clear enough it looked promising then the cloud was right on top of it Did he go the week
1: after us then No the same the night The same night he, was, he there? was
0: there Thursday before we got there he was oh. there Friday night the night we were No he drove Thursday so he saw the Friday night that we were driving and it didn't happen Ah, and then we got Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday okay. night was our first night there, and oh, we're sitting okay. there with the clouds on top of it. And he's describing it too, how the colors started coming above the clouds. Yeah, and it just gave us hope that if that cloud that was sitting on top of the waterfall would just go away, and it we'd did. But then
1: it. it was the clouds behind that still that didn't.
0: Yep. And then he said it just it didn't happen. It just fizzled. There wasn't enough sunlight. The sun yeah. had set by the time the clouds fizzled away, and it. <laughs> it was a disappointment for him and then it never happened again for him sunday night we were already gone sunday night the yeah, weather the storm was, so was supposed to get weird bad worse. we yeah. were there sunday enjoying tunnel view thinking we've got sunday night monday night and possibly we'll stay for tuesday night if we have to to make this happen and then it had this big weather report saying hey warning 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 there's going to be 100 miles per hour wind within this ring and 10 and- inches of rain Which means we would have got two
1: feet of snow on us. It would've been bad.
0: They showed this ring on California and I keep mentioning our Twitter post, but our tweets there showed an image of California where it had this ring and in that red zone. (laughs) The center of it was practically our mountain area by Yosemite. Yeah. We were in the center point of the danger zone. Yeah. So Sunday we decided, okay, we gotta bail. Yep. And so it didn't go well. Now to describe a little bit more about the firefall. When you get there in the firefall, the firefall is really high off the ground. You get in the parking spots that people recommend for you to go, and then you look then straight you look up. At thousands of feet high. I'm not going to take the picture from here. It's like it's like you're trying to take a picture of the Empire State Building while standing on the ground looking right. up at it. It's like, why well, right. would I want that? I want to back up, back away. So Brent and I parked where we realized we could. I mean, we're talking, people were parking everywhere. Right. And this is 3 p.m. This is five hours in advance. Oh, no, three hours, two and a half hours in advance of sunset. Right. And so it was getting packed. And the streets on both sides were being parked. People were getting out giant 600 millimeter lenses from their car and getting ready. <laughs> And we're pulling all the way around and went to this parking spot and found one nice parking spot up close where we wanted to be. The site didn't work out. We just walked, wandered into the forest, hoping that we'd find a clearing that would work. Man, one thing we didn't even realize is that we aren't away from the crowds. It took about 10 minutes before we had 20 other people in that clearing with us. Yeah. I mean, Jason and Homer and Cherie and Debbie, those guys were awesome. And I'm glad that they other were the ones close come, to us. There was
1: tourist and like we're like standing right in the middle of my frame. I'm like, really? You guys are joking around playing, throwing snowballs at each other oh in gosh, the middle of my frame? playing a game
0: of snowball football right in front of his time lapse as it's ticking and going up with the syrup. And it's I didn't like, want
1: to be rude, but it, at, by the second time-lapse, I'm just like, uh, do you think you could like, move because you're <laughs> right in my way?
0: you know? Like, It's just the a Thomas Heaton reference again when he was at L- L- the volcano. Yeah, they're the just like, just love. move
1: over three feet and you'll be out of my frame. But as it happens to be, you just want to be annoying and right in my picture the entire time <laughs> Have for you some seen reason. That
0: time-lapse, does it work out that way where she just blocks it?
1: Yeah, they're in the very corner for like the first few frames and then I asked him to leave and it's fine. But yeah, it was just, <laughs> I think I might have done one more time lapse after that. But, you know, nothing really happened. So it's a cool time lapse. It was a good, you know, practice. Clouds moved. Clouds moved. It's pretty. And the water's yeah. coming down. But, you know, that's, we didn't get what we wanted. No. You know, so.
0: And it was very <laughs> discouraging. And so when we decided that we had to go, and we weren't going to be able to give it two, three more nights you to try, you were pretty
1: depressed about having to leave early, and yeah, yeah,
0: I was pretty, pretty bipolar when it comes to that. <laughs> well, you're sleep excitement.
1: deprived, <laughs> and then we didn't, and you're sleep deprived, and you didn't get what you came for. We sacrificed
0: oh, man. so much
1: to get there, and then it didn't happen. It's pretty disappointing.
0: I explained to my wife why I needed to go. She's like, "You're right. You do need to go. Make sure you get this." I'm like, "I'm on it." Yeah and we and should then have been I there a day earlier. Yeah. Well, 2 days. Friday didn't work out either. Oh. Cuz from that guy's story on the outbound, he did not capture it Friday night.
1: Cuz I thought I heard Jason say that he got the night before. I think
0: Jason meant the night before Friday. Oh. I think he meant Thursday night. And so when he showed us his pictures, those were Thursday night because he did say Shoot. it was a little bit too early because the way the light was hitting, it wasn't going as exclusively to the waterfall. Oh. It still showed a lot of white, a uh, lot of light on the back of the wall. And being on the back of the wall, it kind of gives away what's happening. It's like that's not a water flow mm. of lava or a flowing bit of lava. That's actually just a waterfall with some sun, sunset hitting it. I see. It. And so he was waiting for that night get to get this, something a little as bit much closer. drama. Yeah, yeah. the nineteenth ah. is usually when it peaks between the nineteenth and the 20th. Twenty-first, and so he was coming back for that, and he only Okay, so we have a goal.
1: We now know the area, though we know the lay of the land. It'll be much easier to pick a better. Not spot. only
0: that, but Photog Adventures listeners, we are going, and you guys can come with us. I mean, join us that time. We'll, po- we'll post the days that we'll be there. We're going to be there for a week. We're not going to mess around.
1: So hopefully, there's drier conditions. Hopefully, we can camp out there. Well,
0: drier enough, but still snowpack up there to create the waterfall.
1: Yeah, I mean that's always going to probably that's probably going to happen regardless it doesn't we're though. hoping well that's true some years it is dry exactly but we don't want it to be a swamp either oh my gosh if no. it is a swamp like if we look at the forecast and we see that january rained a lot and it's very similar situations as it was this year yeah then we should just book a hotel let's all just you know like let's fit four guys
0: or six guys to into room one of something. their spaces there because they have yeah. it at their uh, hotel yeah That'd be great. Just, be somewhere so much the, fun. just somewhere there. Yeah, exactly.
1: This is all bunked together. So
0: we are definitely going back awesome. next year. And if you guys can make the time to go out, we'll post it. Join us. It'd be awesome. All right. So that's what didn't go well for both of us. But other photography stuff that didn't go well in Yosemite, anything that you want to bring up?
1: Um, everything else went pretty good. I was pretty happy overall with that. The, I mean, the valley is so amazing. Um, it was a lot of cloud cover, though. Most of the time was cloudy. So that was kind of disappointing. I wish that some of the clouds broke more often. But uh, Bridalvale Falls, we went to go check out. That was overcast mostly the whole time.
0: Had a small window um, of light, very short. Yeah. That brought out some of the greens. That was nice. But, but that
1: don't... waterfall is impressive. I mean, it's so huge. It's splashing us down in the valley. <laughs> like we were down, like, I mean, <laughs> 200 At least yards 200 probably. 200 yards away. Yeah. Yeah, from where the waterfall is falling, we're still getting misted on. My lens was getting misted on. I looked at Brennan and said, Ah, oh, it's
0: starting to rain. And, and I'm actually, like, no. <laughs> that's the that's waterfall. The waterfall. <laughs> 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 and you're like, really? <laughs> so photographically, yeah. what didn't go well for me was the issue of timing. And I know timing really comes down to just camping out. Most of these situations, you just camp out for them. Yeah, oh yeah. But we had these really cool misty fog scenarios and moments and conditions that I would pull my camera out and miss. When I get to a location where I think, okay, that is awesome fog, let's go, let's take it. It just takes too much time to pull your camera out, put it on the tripod. In my situation, I had to pull the lens and put it on there. And so I said this before have your camera on a tripod, ready to go on the ball head, the lens ready to go. So all you're doing is just uncapping it uncap the lens and go mm-hmm. and i didn't have it set up like that and so what i have to do from the future in, in the future is when i'm driving to my location and photography is now what i'm doing i'm not just picking up tents and getting ready for breakfast. I'm gonna put my camera on my tripod on the ball head and just rest it in the back seat of the vehicle. Because right. that from that point on I was You're running ready. gun. Yeah. And we had clouds that were really cool fog like at the top of this hill where there was a waterfall coming down and we saw kind of three different areas that it was splashing down to and continuing down the hill. It was an interesting image with the clouds right on top of the waterfall. But when we got our tripod ready and we framed the shot and now the clouds had rolled away and were Further up, the top of the hill where the, you know, just a little saddle was where you can see over the hill and it's just sky, that was so far away from the waterfall top that it wasn't interesting to keep in frame. It was imbalanced. Mm. If I zoomed in just on the waterfall, now all I had was this kind of, this waterfall creeping through a bunch of greenery, but not very photogenically. Yeah. It was the combination of the fog right on top of the waterfall that at the 300 millimeter was going to be great. And I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So timing was always tough. When I was sitting there watching the sunlight hit El Capitan, because I had a time lapse, I hit it. And so that, in a way, went well. But I didn't have light in the bowl of the valley. I didn't have light anywhere else mm. and so at 300 millimeter the second thing that could have gone better for me is if i had further reach than 300 millimeter because from tunnel view you're kind of limited and in the future when we go back i want to hike i want to hike up on the hills and get into space because
1: i want to go more up on the sides and the extremities and yeah, see exactly down. yeah and there's roads and paths and hikes and trails that go up in those areas so we definitely need to a-
0: Exp- the rain the conditions and just the timing. We couldn't do it, yeah. but in the future we can. And I think that because the valley is so deep and everything interesting is so high and majestic, that you do need to pull yourself back a little bit and up in order to get the shot. Because yeah. that valley is such a trench. It's so deep. You've got to get in a different position and find different locations to take your shots from because you're either under trees, blocked by trees, or too high up and away Mm -hmm. from everything so you're far far away so we weren't
1: really acquainted very acquainted with the area so
0: now that we've got a better
1: overview of things we can get a little bit more specific when we go back so that'll be a lot more fun there's
0: cool lakes and little areas there that you can get reflections of the rock faces there's other falls the yosemite falls there's really cool stuff there that we can even scratch the surface of right right. i mean we went there for the firefall and that was it yeah all right it's time for gear time all right
1: guys today for gear time we're going to talk about the syrup genie that's Spelt S-Y-R-P, if you're gonna Google it, and Genie is spelled like normal. So these guys are an outfit, um, a group of guys out out in uh, New Zealand that developed this product. And um, what it has is the ability to do uh, video time-lapse. It comes with two different modules, uh, one for rotating um, panning. You can do pan it, set it to pan. In one gear and you can take that gear off like i have here there's no gear on there now and so it has this removable thing you can put the other gear on that has a string a little rope you can pull across and pull it on a track turn it upside down you know pull it across the oh, cool. tree you can set up your own kind of thing track to do and stuff better on a track probably because it's smooth um so yeah if you're gonna do a homemade track or a, or or like a metal aluminum track like i have um there's all kinds of options with this it's really cool and so it's already got some preset stuff, like time-lapse for clouds, time-lapse for other things or, or video, and you can do your own custom ones too. So it's really easy to work with, really easy to program. And so you can do some really cool effects when you have more than one of these. When you have this plus the mini ones, there's some really cool stuff you can do. So if you have this plus two minis, I've seen some really elegant, really cool, like pan and tilt and moving all at the same time, like crazy cool stuff. So um, it's really been a really fun product. I've only used it the one time out there and I'm super excited to use it some more. Uh, It's really durable. It's really solid metal body. The inside I swear is mostly battery because I charged this thing up and I ran it over and over and over again and it barely scratched the surface. And this was used when I bought it. So it's not like it was brand new. So really good rubber top um, with a really good three-four screw in the top. So you can really tighten down. It's got that rubber base to really nudge it down. It's got a little tiny bubble level on the top. And uh, yeah, it's just been a great little unit. I mean, I've used this like five or six times. It's still like fully charged. It's amazing.
0: Five or six times on a track
1: or on only? a track. So it was pulling its oh, weight. Five or
0: six trips up yeah. and down the track. Okay,
1: but still, I mean, this is this is not light. Okay, this is like this is like three true. four pounds, maybe even five pounds. Yeah, it's very uh, impressive that it
0: be full. And battery. then he put
1: my eight pound battery or you know like my double battery body and my 30 13 15 to 30 millimeter lens on this thing it weighs a lot
0: so when the track is recoiling on the string or pulling the string back up it's cool. running from the pattern battery up battery here. on that it's not from the separate track or anything it's no, this battery tr- yeah that
1: battery <laughs> has the gears that's pulling this 10 plus pounds of weight up yeah. the track
0: not to mention your camera wasn't on here plus with your giant camera, ball head yeah with my camera the on head. there
1: no, my gearhead wasn't on here. I just used this as the, as oh, the head. Oh, you did. Okay. But still, my battery pack, two batteries, the body, and my heavy lens. Dude, yeah. it adds up fast. <laughs> That's we're, impressive. we're talking about 10 pounds of weight maybe or more. So that thing is pretty incredible. And so it's still got a full charge. And you can do time-lapse, video, auto start, and settings. So there's some options there. And you can just go through and set everything up. And uh, it even has a little... A camera interface, you can say, and about, and all kinds of help. There's a help setting, which probably tells you how things work. Oh, it gives you a QR code for the help. That's smart because they're not going to probably build in a whole help menu. There. Oh, I so, see. Scan the QR see. code, go to their web page, probably watch some videos, the basics of how to set it up. And, uh, yeah, fun little device. So it's great for panos, for auto panos, and also really great for moving up and down a track, which is what I used it for. Yeah, super excited to break this out some more. It's a heavy piece of gear, something I'm probably not going to take hiking with me because my arm is already getting tired just holding this for a few seconds, you know? So to add this plus my, plus my huge camera and lens and all that stuff to my travel bag, I mean, that's going to be serious, some serious weight. So this is, the big, this is kind a of luxury item, you know? So if I'm like in the car and we can walk someplace close and set this thing up, then great, but I'm probably not going to take this out too far into the wilderness.
0: Cause it just weighs a ton. Um, <laughs> I carried it in my bag for you.
1: Yeah, and so it's possible we can maybe get a donkey to carry it for us next time. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, uh, there are the mini ones, the, the hockey puck ones. So those could be really cool. Those won't pull it up a track necessarily, but you can still do some really cool pi- time lapses. You can maybe follow yeah, the. Rusty has that. I guess it doesn't
0: have the base down there that allows you to put on a track. Right. Huh? It
1: doesn't have. A, it just it just rotates. But with two of them, you can rotate two different directions. So you can still do some really cool two effects. Um, which would be fun to do on a tripod. You can do a pan and a tilt at the same time, and that way, if you're doing a Milky Way shot, you can start the you can turn with a Milky Way, but then start the bottom and move up, so you can do some really cool creative stuff with a couple of those. That would be fun to do in the future to get a couple of those. That I would take with me because they're only like that big, and you can take a couple of those easy in your backpack. So, right. So on. we still have some really fun things to explore and play with. Uh, we still want to do more time lapses because we really enjoy watching them and doing them, and you know, once you process some. They're really, really fun. So this is a syrup genie. I'm I'm pretty happy with it, and uh, I'm excited to use it some more. Going to
0: keep using it throughout the year, and you'll see more videos with this included in mm-hmm. there. And the footage is just ten times better having it going. So I'm yeah. excited. So. This is going to be probably my most noobish tip of the week, and I just wanted to bring it up because it happened to me recently, and I thought, you know what? There's probably people out there with the same situation. Why not? Let's just talk about it. Noobs unite. Let's do it. So on your camera, you have a button right by the lens. Not the lens detach button, the one that you hit to kind of disconnect your lens, but it's in the very bottom or just in different places it's hidden. And And everybody's different. Yeah, everybody has a different location for it. It's the depth of field preview button, and I never thought there was any reason to use it. Back in Goosenecks, we're in the goosenecks. I'm taking the shot. You said, try the depth of fill button. I'm like, well, why? It's not going to do anything. I hit it and nothing changes. Well, in my situation, I was sitting there at an f-stop that was the widest it could go. Mm -hmm. And I was filming something at infinity. And so when I hit the difference of the depth of field, I didn't notice it because there wasn't a change. Not really. There wasn't much at all. Because your iris was wide open. Precisely. So I was taking shots of some plants. I'm a guy who loves carnivorous plants. That's another cool nerd thing that I love is growing carnivorous plants and I was taking some pictures of some dead ones that I'm trying to blog about as they grow back you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. and so I was zooming in on here and I had as wide of aperture as I could I really wanted a nice depth of field I wanted a really good bokeh and I couldn't see the bokeh like why am I not getting any bokeh really wide everything's set just right how is this not giving me bokeh I was using the 50 millimeter I was Really disappointed I wasn't seeing bokeh, and then Do I remembered you remember what your stop was set to. Oh, wide at 1.8. 1.8, okay, wide open. at the widest okay. it can go, and so then I remembered. All oh, right, the depth of field preview button. So I hit that, and it's like holy, jacking! There is an amazing amount of bokeh going on. I just couldn't see it. The way that it was showing me hmm. in the camera, it wasn't previewing any of that. Really. I'm not sure what on my, it's just on manual settings, so it wasn't one of the programs. And I don't know why it wouldn't just show me that bokeh without hitting the preview button. But until I hit that depth of field preview button, it wasn't giving me all that bokeh and experience. It was giving me slight minor changes and so when I would hold that button down and then I would change my focus and I could decide okay here's where I want to focus because this is great and then I also realized I need to stop it up I'm going way too shallow with 1.8 I should be up at 2, Mm 2.8 and so I was bringing it up now and stopping my f-stop down so that I wouldn't have such a tiny sliver of depth of field I wanted a broader range I wanted to capture the front of that leaf and back here to the base of the plant a little bit more and so I would change that on that and I'd see it on the depth of field what I was doing wrong, and I could fix it. And it was just so dumb that I had never had a reason to use that depth of field preview button before being when you a landscape doing macro and astro and closer stuff. You definitely I found yeah. it. I found a reason. So hey, that button down there is kind of useful if you ever want to take nice close-up shots, find a bokeh, or even just taking a shot where like today, Brendan and I were in a situation where we had a cool background. I wanted to see how that bokeh would look. Pop, I hit that button and it just does the little preview and I can see it now what it's going to actually do in the shot. Yeah, and so it doesn't work very well if you're wide open. If you set your aperture to the lowest
1: setting in your lens, then it's not going to really do much for you. But if you're close you enough start, to your
0: subject, it will. But in the situation where you were standing 10 feet away, it wasn't. Okay,
1: yeah. So once you start stopping it down to like, you know, if it's a 1.8, you stop it down to 2.8, then you hit that button, you're going to see it because it's going to close the iris up to what it's going to actually take the photo of. And then you can start doing some live adjustments, which is pretty cool. It's really handy for that.
0: So find your depth of field button on your camera and use it more if you want to do a shot. Now, I'm talking close up. I'm talking I was six to eight inches mm-hmm. away from my subject, so very close, and it was really useful. So, yeah. hey, noobs unite, depth of field preview button. All right. So Yosemite, it was a bust. It kind of not. wasn't a bust. Yeah, kind it was of, a fantastic kind of yeah, trip. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, but could have been better. <sighs> was yeah. so disappointing we didn't get the phenomenon. We didn't come back with a YouTube video that was going to take off 200,000 yeah. views because yeah. we got yeah. a great shot of the phenomenon. But, you know, it's an interesting place. Now I know that maybe we'll want to go and hike up there to be higher for our actual yeah. recording because... Yeah. I would like that more. Being down where we were, though, was a great clearing. I think that's a good spot I would like, too. Yeah. So next year, definitely going to be fantastic. And if you guys are out another Photog Adventure of your own, make sure you share it with us. Either email it straight to us at info at or you can go on to our Facebook listeners group, join us there and post it and get in the queue and we'll share that on the podcast. Yeah. I don't have anything else to
1: say. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's been it's been a great podcast. We got more exciting stuff to talk about next week. Because when we left Yosemite, we went to some other cool places that we'll talk about next
0: week. Yeah, and actually, I do have more to say because next week will be a regular Monday. This Monday podcast that comes out will be the week that we take off for the Improved Photography Retreat.
1: Ah, yes. And yes. we
0: will be doing three extra podcasts live from there. What we're going to do is join Rusty Parkhurst, who's also at the retreat. And mm-hmm. from Thursday night, Friday night, And Saturday night, we will do three podcasts recapping stuff we learned that day, things that really went well, things that could have gone better, and just quickly tell you guys about how it went. And so we'll have Rusty's feedback. We'll bring other people in there from other areas. And so look for Monday, we'll have a podcast. And then next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, we'll be podcasting live again. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun and we'll have our regular podcast after that on monday so you guys are gonna have five new podcasts between now and then because i have a secret bonus podcast we did a bonus podcast with russ where we answer a listener question and we're gonna post that probably tomorrow and it was something i recorded last week and so that'll be in there too so you guys got five podcasts coming in the next seven eight days so hope you like them hope you do (laughs) thanks for listening as always have a great week guys see you guys